Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Drivers, start your engines! Get the pace car! What for? Because you hit any other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect! When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. It's him. He talks to me. Hey, race fans, welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network and welcome to the Drafting the Show program. My name is Frank Santoroski. I'll be your host for the next hour as we talk about this week in racing preview next week. Joining me in the studio, I have Louise Torres and Richard Uden. As always, fellas, how are we doing? Doing good, thank you. Doing good. Pretty mild-mannered, just ready for Texas. Mild-mannered and ready for Texas, yes, Uh Texas uh, coming up for IndyCars. Uh, Formula One season is about to start. Uh, NASCAR is uh, headed to Atlanta, reconfigured Atlanta. Uh, so we've got a big weekend of racing ahead, and, and we'll preview all that. Uh, first off, I want to take a moment and mention our sponsors. Uh, Dan Blay Racing Art. Do you need a custom die cast of an IndyCar that's not made? Dan Blaze, your guy, uh, both Dan and his son do amazing work. Uh, you'll find them on Facebook. Just look up Dan Blay, B-L-E-Y racing art um also um we're welcoming a new sponsor as well which is uh the legend of the first super speedway which is a fantastic book uh by mark dill if you recall we had mark mark on our program last year fascinating guy uh so if you can order order the book through his website which is first superspeedway.com and while you're there on the website that site is a treasure trove of information of very early racing. We're talking like 1920 and earlier. Um, if you ever wanted to just browse through old newspaper clippings, photographs, I uh, read some very interesting stories about the very birth of uh, motor racing in the United States. Um, I tell you, it's a fantastic resource and, and the book is incredible. So uh, first super speedway.com. Now, speaking of super speedways, <laughs> we had a, uh, NASCAR was out in Phoenix, which is not a super speedway, but uh, they had a super crowd out there in Phoenix. And uh, we had our fourth winner in as many races, five if you count the clash, and uh, a first-time winner um, in uh, young Chase Briscoe. Uh, so uh, a fantastic win for that guy. Um, and But uh, if we look at the top three, we've got uh, Ross Chastain and Tyler Reddick up there. So you've got... Three guys who are relatively new to the sport. Uh, they're not your usual suspects when you think about the top three in the NASCAR race. So it's a, a little bit of the changing of the guard. I don't know if the car has anything to do with that, but uh, all three of those guys uh, up front, certainly on merit, not on um, luck of the pit stops or, or, or drops of the yellow. Uh, certainly the, all those guys were strong all day, but we're going to talk about that a little later because what I want to do is preview the Formula One season, which Formula One being the biggest uh, motorsport on earth is geared up and ready to go. We'll have get our first race in this weekend. Um, we've, we've had um, all the testing is complete. We've seen all the new cars. We've seen some interesting designs on the new cars. We saw Mercedes bring a car with almost no side pods. And Ferrari complained about the rearview mirrors on that one which is <laughs> fine with the side pod, but them rear view mirrors, I think you're cheating. Um, not much in the way of driver movement other than, um, you know, uh, Mazepin being released from the team uh, based on uh, what's going on in Russia. And we have uh, um, 
Kevin Magnuson returning. Magnuson. Magnuson, yep. I, I mix him up with Alkenberg all the time. I didn't want to say the wrong <laughs> name, but yes, yes, it is Kevin Magnuson uh, returning, which uh, for Mick, Mick Schumacher, uh, who's a sophomore driver, that I, th- I think for him, uh, that represents a good um, kind of a uh, starting benchmark. point. To, a benchmark. Yeah. yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. So, uh, so let's talk about the uh, Formula One this year and we might as well go ahead and start with the Haas team since we're right there. And Richard, the Haas team was able to uh, put up some very uh, impressive times in testing, although mm-hmm. they seem to be struggling with uh, reliability a bit. Yeah, Haas were one of the teams last year that were very vocal about writing off 2021 uh, and, and purely concentrating on the 2022 regulations, which in their own right, are a year late due to, uh, you know, whatever, whatever, went, everything that went down in 2020. So uh, these new cars from the ground effect uh, cars for 2022 are actually, you know, they're a year late, but well worth the wait. They're interesting looking cars and it's going to be interesting to see the quality of the racing and if, if they've achieved the aim of allowing cars to run closer to each other. But, uh, but yeah, Haas were one of these teams that, that wrote 2021 off gave the two rookie drivers ahead last year just, you know, mileage experience so that we don't care if you don't score any points, blah, blah, blah. Go out there and do what, you know, you, you can. And, and on the whole, they did a reasonably good job, I think, you know. Mazepin had his issues with, with you know, spinning and especially the first half of the year, you know, he looked more like the Russian ballet than a Russian Formula 1 driver. But um, it was actually, I did read an interesting article today that, Actually, it was Mick Schumacher that had the highest repair bill at just over four million euros. So, uh, yeah, but uh, but yes, Mazepin is no more. Um, uh, you know, whatever you want to make of that, and and, and K Mag has, has has returned, which I think is a good move for the team, as we mentioned. It's a good benchmark for them. And and if you look at their car, it's obviously one of the cars that had the most work done to it in terms of development time there's a couple of really interesting and really well refined aero parts on the bodywork and um th- th- they will you know potentially move up a little bit in the grid i think um i don't think they'll be they'll be you know right at the very back as we've seen for for pretty much all of 2021 i think they will progress and they will you know be be, be hitting a little bit higher um, next year. Um, and they've also got the far closer working relationship with Ferrari. Um, you know, one of the new things and, and a Titan regulations coming in are the, the budget caps. And one of the ways that Ferrari have got around the budget cap is to move a number of their engineers from the Ferrari project to the Haas project, which obviously benefits Haas because it gives them better engineer, you know, or access to not better engineers, but better resources, shall we say. And uh, and also prevents Ferrari from having to lay off staff. And if somebody does want to leave Ferrari directly, then they've you know, hopefully got a, a ready-made replacement, if you like. So, so yeah, lots of little things, interesting things going on there within that dynamic. And um, it'll be interesting to see how Haas do going into the start of the season. Some people are, are saying they're going to be challenging for, Qui, uh, Qui, for Q3, uh, in, at least at Bahrain in the first week. But uh, I don't think they may be challenging for Q2, uh, but I don't think it'll be challenging for Q3. Um, I think that the, the very impressive, as you quite rightly said, Frank, lap times that they put in were often late at night uh, because they had a delay of, with everything else that's going on within that team, their cars were actually delayed in Istanbul, I think it was, on the way over to Bahrain. So they were allowed an extra couple of hours each evening to sort of catch up that time. So they were running you know, two hours later than everybody else in, in the far cooler conditions, which is obviously optimum for, for improved lap time. So, yeah. And, and at the end of the a, day, you know, some, I had read a little speculation that, that, that you know, it kind of helps them. Uh, they, they were probably running a very light fuel load as well yep. when, when they set those times. Uh, but it's good press for them. Cause we're, you know, we're still, there's still, there's still comes some concerns about, uh, you know, financial shortfall, due to the fact yeah. that they lost their primary sponsor. Now, where Gene Haas has admittedly uh, has a lot of money in the bank, but uh, you know, as well as I do the the you know, to go racing, it's always better to use somebody else's money, 
but uh, Gene has kind of made Gene has kind of made it clear that they're not going to cut corners and, and it's you know it's going to cost him a little. But I'm sure yeah. they would like to attract uh, some sort of sponsor partner in there to kind of make up that difference. So setting some good solid you know times at the at the end of practice and going, cool. going yeah. into the season is certainly looks really good on paper. Now uh, what they do in the race is really the you know proof is in the pudding there. So uh, and, yeah, exactly. and we'll see. So um, uh, so yeah. yeah. Uh, I think they'll do. I, I, I really. I think we've got the top three pretty well down, in in you know the the usual suspects, if you like, the the Red Bull, the Ferrari, and Mercedes. Outside of that, I think it's a lottery to tell you the truth. I, personally, um, I think it's very difficult to pick the. You know, you'd probably want to say that McLaren would be you know up there. Um, you know, maybe that fourth team, uh, and some of the other teams, but uh, you know. It's really a lottery, I think, from that sort of seventh place down to twentieth place on the on the grid, which is yeah, you know, so, so I, yeah, I, I, yeah. I think I think McLaren and Alpine are relatively close, uh, but yeah, but, but you know, Al- AlphaTauri is not that far behind no. them. You know, honestly, as as, as a, a million miles away. No, Aston Martin had a know, pretty decent season last year. You know, yeah, uh, you know, and, and, and they've all, you know, even when the you're know, back in the Jordan and Force India days, they were very pretty quiet during testing. They never did these sort of, you know, show runs uh, with low fuel or whatever. And you know, Williams have, you know, that Williams have got a nicely packaged car. Um, you know, similar side pods to what Mercedes have run, just a, a, a little bit more body work in there and a little bit more air manipulation. So that'll be interesting. Um, so it's it really is, you know. Again, like it has been in the last two or three years, that midfield pack is almost as interesting as exciting, if not more interesting and exciting than what you see in the front two or three rows of the grid. Oh, so, absolutely. Yeah. Um, when, when you look at the improvements Williams made in the last two years and, and the, you know, the perception right now is that the Haas is much improved. So we're, yeah. we're, we really, you know, it's hard to pick an outlier, uh, exactly. you know, out of there. You know? Yeah, yeah, and then of course now you've got Alpha Romeo now. Now they've got uh, you know Valtteri Bottas there, uh, so they got a yeah. very, very experienced guy behind the wheel uh, with the feedback there. Um, but of course yeah, that, so- that that plays into our next topic, which is you know what's the dynamic at Mercedes going to be with yeah. uh, with uh, the rising star George Russell uh, yep. against against the season champion uh, Lewis Hamilton. Um, you know, from all uh, accounts, I, I imagine they're getting on well. I hadn't hadn't heard of, of <laughs> anything, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I don't think George is going to be the kind of guy who's he's not going to he's not going to be your Rubens Barrichello. You know what I mean? No, he's not your your puppy. You know, your puppy to you, you know, your your, your, your sheep herder, is it? You know, he, he's going to be the guy that's going to go out there and. um you know, he's going to want to make a name for himself. Naturally, he wants to prove to Toto and uh, the rest of the uh, Mercedes hierarchy that when Lewis does call a time on his career, George is going to be the guy that to lead that team, you know, through the next 10 years or so. Um, and I think he's uh, certainly there was no, you know, you would, you know, unfortunately you look at, you know, when Pierre Gasly went to, Red Bull and, you know, in his first off season, he stuck it in the wall a couple of times and damaged brand new parts and cost the team a lot of development time. You know, George has done nothing like that. Um, so I, I I do believe he'll do well. Will he? I think he'll be closer to Hamilton than Bottas will. Partly because of that, you know, what I mentioned there. Bottas was never the successor to Hamilton. Bottas was a number two. Now Russell is successor to Hamilton. And to a certain extent, Mercedes don't care if Russell beats Hamilton or not. You know, because Russell's the future, Hamilton's the present. And yeah, you you know, you want one of them to win the championship. Um, but and, if you, ups, if, if but you upset this, Hamilton this year, meh, okay. Yeah, I know, he's, yeah. He's, he's gone. He's out on his way but, out anyway. But here's the, here's, yeah, so, here's the scary thing, though. Here's the scary thing. And we saw this last year, right? <laughs> when Hamilton is pushed like he was by Verstappen, he gets better. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So so this is the <clears throat> d- dynamic I'm, I'm looking to see that if, if um, Hamilton is getting 
pushed not only by uh, Verstappen, who certainly will be right in the title mix again this year, uh, but also by his own teammate. I, you know what? I, I hate it for the rest of the guys to see, you know, because we've seen, you know, when when we think Lewis has done all he can, he raises it another level. Yeah. You know, and, 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 uh, and it's, yeah, you, you're, you're 100% right there, Frank. We talked about it last year, didn't we? When, you know, the, the level and the way that Hamilton and Verstappen were outperforming their teammates who, you know, both Perez and Bottas on, a, on any given Sunday could have, you know, could, you know, at the start of the season or in, in previous seasons could certainly have, uh, you know, given, uh, you know, the respective teammates a, a half-decent race. For the second half of the season, they were nowhere, uh, you know, neither of them compared to, to Max and Lewis. And yeah, it was like two, you know, it was like the, the sort of, you know, Mike Tyson fights in the prime, you know, you had these two heavyweight boxers just slugging it out, throwing punches at each other, and they'd take the punch and then come back and they'd hit harder. And um... Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Yeah, I still think, and unfortunately what happened in Abu Dhabi did sort of tarnish it a little bit. And if that hadn't happened, I think it would, without any hesitation, gone down as probably the, the one of the greatest seasons in Formula 1 history. And, you know, who knows? It could happen. The same thing could happen again this year. We, I just hope that... Well, they you know, now... Do have, did they not put a new rule in place that I just uh, had oh, read about? They've, they've, new... pampered to, they've pampered to Mercedes' whims. And Toto's got his way now. And, and basically... The FAA have basically admitted with the new rules that, that, you know, Hamilton should have won the championship. If the rules had been in place that were in, you know, that are now, then Hamilton would have won the championship. So I. So what, so what, what, what exactly did they, did they change in the rule? Did they they get rid of the the, the wave around or. No. So all cars have to unlock themselves now, not just the cars between the leader and the second place car. Okay. All, All right. cars have to unlap. And there has to be one complete lap after the cars have been let by before the race restarts, which didn't happen. So if that had happened, the race would have the, the safety car would have come in as the you know 200 yards before the finish of the race, uh, rather than a lap before. So there was some clarification there. And I think that was the biggest issue with what we saw in Abu Dhabi was the lack of clarity in the rules. Michael Massey certainly, I've got to be careful what I say, the words I choose here, engineered the situation. Well, I mean, he, he, one he, driver he, or another. he, he doesn't work formally any, anymore, so say what you want. Well, he does. <laughs> yeah. he's, no, he's still employed by the FIA. He, yeah, he's he, a just, role. he just not, but, doesn't have that yeah, job. He, no, and and he did the best of you know, what he thought at the time was right in the set of circumstances. And I hope that what happened will lead to better stewarding. I thought there was instances throughout the race, going back, I mean, we don't want to, you know, let dead, dead dogs die, as it, you know, lay as it were, but, you know, we, we went, you know, the uh, turn five or six that chicane on the backside where Hamilton clearly went off the track and held his position. How he was allowed to hold that position and didn't have to let Verstappen back through, I'll never know. So hopefully we do get more independent, um, you know, judgments and slightly better consistency of stewardship. Because I do think there was some, you know, inconsistencies there that were highlighting because everything is so scrutinized in such detail now. Um, And also the way the, the teams communicated with Massey, I thought the, the behavior of both Toto, especially Toto, I must admit, I don't want to call him out, but the way that Toto will talk to Michael Massey during that race was completely unacceptable. And Red Bull, 
push those limits, um, you know, to a to a certain extent. So um, it was mm, it wasn't great. Um, so hopefully, yeah, it it was all you know a little bit smelly at the end of the year. But hopefully, we'll now a line has been drawn in the sand and things will improve. But they will certainly be very 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 closely monitored. And and, Ab- and, and sorry, Bahrain coming up this weekend is a prime example. Uh, coming out of turns uh, one, two, three, four, and five, there's that runoff area, which you know track limits all this sort of stuff did. You know, Verstappen overtook Hamilton off the track last year. It's all very, very, very messy. So um, yeah, let's hope we get some consistency and 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 these sort of issues aren't dominating the sport like they have in the last few years. Absolutely. Now let me ask you this question because I don't believe that it's happened um, other than a situation, uh, uh, you know, with a weather where a race does not resume uh, say after red flag, but does Formula One have an option to end on a safety car, you know, as in like an Indy car race could actually end under yellow. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Well, no, technically well, it can't, but I think the safety car has to enter the pit lane on the last lap. And I'm looking back at Canada in 2010 or 11 when Button won, you know, from being last to first. That race, I think, was ended under the safety car. And you're thinking about Melbourne? Oh, no. No, this is definitely Canada. I think it may well have been the same at Melbourne. Because but, I yeah, remember the there was car, no safety car as they came to the line. I could swear Montreal, it was the last lap pass for the win, wasn't it? Yeah, but I thought, yeah, maybe it was, yeah. But there's definitely been a, a definitely one year in Montreal. And, and at Melbourne, you're right, that, that also happened there. Um, no, I think I'm thinking of maybe 97 in Montreal when Panis had his accident. 99. I think that race... No, I thought it was 97 when he broke his legs. Oh, yeah, 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 97. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that he race ended races. under a safety car. And then, but they, they, the safety car doesn't cross the line, it enters the pit lane. But because the race doesn't restart, and also remember the famous one with Schumacher at Monaco when he passed Alonso, I think it was, before the safety car line on the final lap. So, yeah, the, the, the safety, the, the race can finish. No, well, Frank, sorry. Um, the race cannot finish under a safety car. So the safety car has to enter the pit lane. And in theory, when the cars pass the safety car line, there is a few hundred yards of racing. Now, if the hazard was within that stretch of track, then that's another situation that I don't know what the ruling would be. But no, a race, as far as I'm aware, cannot or has not finished under a safety car. Okay, I just wanted to ask. So now let's get into our ni- our next topic because uh, Netflix has dropped the, uh, the the latest season of Drive to Survive, and, and and I know I've expressed my displeasure with the fact that the show is a year behind. Uh, you know, I don't know, don't know why they can't get these uh, you know show a new a new episode every week throughout the season, but they, you know Netflix does what they do and they choose to drop the whole the whole 2021 season all at once for us to watch. And, uh, you know, the things, the things that I like about the show, number one, it's, it's beautifully shot. Uh, you know, the camera work is amazing. It's much, it's much more exciting to watch the racing action on a uh, driver survive than it is in uh, on ESPN. But again, that's got a lot to do with uh, great camera angles and, and uh, you know, high, high definition lenses and lenses and editing and whatnot. But uh yeah, so um, but there are there've been a couple of uh, comments out there that uh, maybe Drive to Survive is not as good for the sport as some folks think it is. I know that uh, Lando Norris was quoted as uh, being a little unhappy with the way some things were edited to create drama that really wasn't there. So, uh, but Richard, let, let's go or, or Louise. Whoever wants to jump in and expound on this, I know, I know Richard's got a few things to say, but Louise, if you want to jump in, yeah, let me uh, briefly ahead of Richard, say go this. ahead. Yeah, yeah, let me briefly say this. I know Verstappen said the charm from season one uh, after season one has not been the same, which is why he's not, he doesn't want to appear, even as world champion, he doesn't want to appear. So, pretty much from what I understand, I've yet to see season four, I have not had any time to see season four yet, but I'd imagine Christian Horde is kind of the one carrying the Red Bull parts of this of the show because 
Verstappen just does not want to be a part of it any longer because of how they portrayed him in season two. And there's just, I think the big thing is there's more or less trying to cater to those casuals or those who are not familiar for Formula One. And as you can see, it has worked really well. But for those diehards that ones who have been watching for a long time, I, for one, been watching since 04, can pinpoint that some parts were just f- flubbed or edited to make it look like something that really wasn't. And from what I understood, one particular driver that's no longer in the grave that might have been portrayed in a much better light than he actually was in the race itself than when it happened. So I get it. I understand it. But at the end of the day, I enjoy it for what it's for. I'm, I match it season four. I might enjoy it for what it's for, but we'll see. All right. Now, uh, yeah, we do have to understand yeah. that it is, it is, it's not a, a, you know, uh, what's this? Not a news show about racing. It's it's sheer sheer entertainment, um, and and yep, crafted that way. But Richard, you go ahead. What are, what are your thoughts yeah. on good for the sport, bad for the sport? Well, as, as Luis alluded to there earlier, um, it served its you know season one served its purpose to the sport. You know, on all of these media metrics, if you like, you know. Instagram followers and Twitter followers and all this sort of stuff. Uh, you know, when Drive to Survive was released, season one, all of the drivers saw massive increases in social media exposure. And in, I guess in modern terms, that's what people look for. Um, and it was great for the sport. It, bring, it brought in a lot of new fans that hadn't watched the sport before. So. Brilliant, especially in North America. Um, but I'm, you know, I, I sort of started to have my concerns about it a little bit. And for the first time, there's really, as you touched on there, Frank and, and Louise, um, resistance coming from some of the senior figures within Formula One. I think Luca de Montezemolo, who's quite, you know, is obviously heavily involved in the management and the running of the sport now, said, you know, we're happy with what Netflix is doing, but it's got to bring value to the sport and it's got to improve, you know, what we're trying to present as an image. Um, and, you know, you, again, you have some reasonably high-profile drivers not involved. Hamilton and Verstappen are not involved, for example. And so, to, to my mind, you have two views of the show. And I think both, excuse me, are being alienated right now. You have the Formula One fan, like, you know, the three of us here and, and most of the listeners to the show who, you know, f- followed Formula One far longer than we'd care to remember. And you think, oh, this is great. This is a new outlet for our content. And yes, you're right, Frank, that the cinematography and the quality of the production is slick and elegant and looks fantastic on TV. But once you get past that, you know, there's so many holes in what they do that as a fan, you notice, like, there'll be, you know, there'll be, you know, one specific race weekend that they're covering, but then you can just tell by looking at the cars or the track or the driver or whatever, that the the, the, the clip or the snippet or the interview or the soundbite is not that race. So they're, you know, they're, they're putting things into certain situations to suit the narrative. So, you know, we know, for example, that Lando Norris and Carlos Sainz get on really, really well, just from a you know a fan's perspective. We know that. You can see that. But then if you watch Drought to Survive, they try to create this tension through the editing of the interviews and, and all this sort of stuff. And so that's just blatantly not true. And it's disappointing that they're trying to create something that isn't there. Um, but on the flip side to that, you have the people that have started to watch the show because it was on Netflix and now follow Formula One as reactionary. So they watch this show and they think, oh, well, Driver A and Driver B, they hate each other looking on Drive to Survive. You know, they make these comments about each other. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then they watch the race and they're like, well, hang on. These two guys got on really well and they're laughing and joking in the media room and in the interviews. And, oh, yeah, these guys are best friends. Well, hang on. Drive to Survive said they hated each other. Oh, well, you know, and it creates that confusion. So... I think that the problem is the novelty of it's worn off pretty quickly. You know, people have very, very short attention spans. So season one, season two, yeah, great. It shows the pure essence of the racing. But it's like 
it's like any reality show, you know, Big Brother, for example, the first season of Big Brother. OK, that's quite interesting. But then, you know, when they get into second, third, fourth seasons, they've got to introduce like, you know, meal rations or they've got to eat earthworms or they've got to sleep outside or, you know, they create these manipulated scenarios because people have very short attention spans and get fundamentally get bored pretty quickly. So I, I, I think they either need to, it served its purpose or what I'd like to see. And again, you, then you have to look at production quality is similar to what NASCAR has with, you know, their Fox shows, for example, almost like a magazine style program, you know, before each race weekend or after each race, you know, on the Wednesday or Thursday leading up to, you know, have that and get, you know, get drivers on, get team managers on, have a more, you know, still have that sort of dramatic side of it because it's a dramatic sport, but don't create stuff for the sake of creating because people are going to get bored with it. Yeah. It's like the old, MTV business model from the real world, you know, where they they, they yeah. didn't have enough drama in the household that they, they, they'd create it. That you know, the producers would come to the people in the house here. Why don't you be mad at him today, or, or this, or you know, or or he, oh, yeah. he he slept he slept with your girl. Go tell him how you feel about that. You know, it's it's all created and and, yeah. and edited together. And sometimes it's not even edited together well. You know. Where you yeah. see, you see somebody, this thing happening. And then when they go to the, to the, where they're talking to him, I guess, oh, well, he, he had a mustache there and has it shaved off here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they, they're just little, little things that I noticed. Yeah, I noticed yeah. that on, on that stupid pawn shop show. <laughs> you know, yeah. They, they, a, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and, and uh, there was one instance, I think, where, you know, I think it was Danny, Danny Ricardo had an issue or something. I can't remember exactly what happened. Then, you know, he retired from the race or whatever it was. And then they cut to Lando Norris making a derogatory comment, saying, oh, I don't care what happens to him. But then by looking at the background from the race, that it, well, from where Lando was overheard making that comment, it was a completely different race. So they put something in there to make it look like Lando doesn't care what happens to Danny Ricardo when he probably wasn't even talking about Ricardo. You know, which is probably was, why Lando was in the news saying they didn't, yeah. didn't really like the way it was edited. And it was, yeah. it was funny so. because McLaren put out a little, oh, Lando and Danny watching Drive to Survive. And you could see them like, yeah, this is a lot of crap, you know. And Danny's, oh, I'll, I forgive you for that one, uh, Lando, you know. And, oh, you know, because, but they know the truth, you know, they're not stupid. So, yeah, I, I think it's being a little bit fake and a little bit patronizing to the real fans and to the, armchair fans they're just going to be confused by it because they want to see drama that doesn't really exist yeah but the the whole interesting thing for me is that how successful netflix has been at pushing the pushing their own shows uh that they've produced and it's it's really clever the way they do it you know if you get on netflix when it says this is what's trending today or this is number two yeah. in tv and this is number one in movies and all the all the ones at the top are net netflix produced movies yeah, and, exactly. and television shows so that they, they put all their own stuff right up there at the top which has driven a lot of folks who maybe have would never have looked at formula one otherwise but when netflix tells you oh this is number two in television today maybe i'll check that out you know yeah so uh it has been good for the sport but it's got to be careful because it's it's reaching that sort of apex of its uh, of its longevity and like where does it go now you know what what's the next step you know it's yeah i i do worry about it because sport is sport sport creates its own drama you know naturally just by the way any sport you know football and you know basketball baseball hockey ever they are naturally dramatic due to the nature of what they are the one thing you can't do is create fake drama around it because then it's it's misleading to everybody and in all fairness it's doing the sport a disservice and i think the number of people within the senior echelons of formula one will be looking at season five pretty closely and if that doesn't if that still tries to create this narrative of of a of a rivalry between drivers that doesn't exist, or a false narrative, should we say, 
then they're going to be asking some very, very hard questions of Netflix. And I think they may push it to the side or make Netflix change their model. I don't know what the contract length is with Netflix. I don't know how much further they're going to go, but they need to get the drivers on board with it. I think when you don't have the two best drivers in the sport partaking in it, then you've got a fund you know, that tells you everything you need to know. Um, Absolutely. Yep. So, all right. So before we uh, move on, Away from Formula One. Let's go ahead and make some picks because we have a Grand Prix this weekend to watch. And and Richard, who do you? Uh, it's always tough to pick the because we don't know who's been sandbagging and no. testing, and who, we don't know uh, who's been what. But uh, you know, obviously the usual suspects. But uh, uh, what do what do you what do you think? Who do you think we're going to see taking that uh, checker flag there in Bahrain? Oh, let's go with Carlos Sainz. Okay, that's bold right out of the box. Louise? Go big or go home. Yeah, that was <laughs> that was going to be my pick. So, let's go with George. Okay, and I'm going to I'm going to play it safe and I'm going to go with Verstappen. So he picks up where he left off last year uh defending his title. So, that being said, you know, we talked a little bit about uh track limits. Uh so that's kind of a good segue to Go to Phoenix, the NASCAR race yeah. where it appeared there were no track limits. Drive on anything. <laughs> uh, I mean, they're getting six and seven wide. They're just making the track wider than it needs to be. Um, so Phoenix, they they kind of reconfigured. They really didn't reconfigure the track, but they they moved the grandstands and the start finish line is no longer on the straightaway. It's in the middle of turn two, which I find to be quite interesting and 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 actually I like it. Um, so, but at the end of the day, like we talked about it, it was, uh, uh, you know, young, uh, chase Briscoe with, uh, old, old man hairline, um, <laughs> winning oh. the race. I, uh, when, yeah, I, I guess I had people in glass houses, Frank. I, hey, I got this, I have this <laughs> ball Let's spot in the ball spot in the back of my head that I can only see <laughs> in the mirror. So, <laughs> but, but anyway, yeah, I guess I'd never seen, um, you know him come right out of the car and and, and uh, you know pull his balaclava off and I'm like oh my gosh, <laughs> but anyway a uh, great job to to him and that team. So Louisa, I know you watched the race. Uh, I I thought it was I thought it was quite good. I thought it was um uh, you know a lot of a lot of good close race and I, I thought that the cars uh, were particularly suited well for Phoenix. You know I like I like the way they got around. I like the way they spread out and used all of the apron. What were yeah, your thoughts? I thought- I thought compared, obviously you have some standards because the Daytona fire was really good and relatively clean compared to the crash fests we're used to. Yeah, there was some of the variant, but not that chaotic where it wipes out three quarters of the field at some point. But and then you had three, two other solid races. But this one, we got a honestly a true telling how it does more on a long run, but also on a track to where to see how things play out. The thing is, some cars were able to get by, but most of them, especially towards out front, you can catch them, but you couldn't really get by. You couldn't fully get catch them. Like I know Harvick was on the cusp of getting by, towards the front, but never really got there after a while. But because it, it, that just stood out to me, I thought it was an okay race. It wasn't the worst in the world, but you'll have that sometimes. I thought it wasn't terrible by any means i thought it was really it was good for what it, for what it's worth some people i know saying that what we saw is there's a reason why they should only have one race on the calendar and some people are questioning whether or not if it's still a championship race worthy event because you'll have that all the time with social media this like all oh, one bad race to in their eyes i thought it was good i wasn't terrible you got competitive race drivers you have guys that but for the wind that we haven't really seen yet. Yeah, Tyler, like Ross Chastain, another strong run for him. He finished second, bring tracks out. Trackhouse Racing is third straight top five of this season, three out of four. Then you have Tyler Reddick, who probably should have won Fontana had it not been for William Byron slamming the door on him for like, like a bulldozer, <laughs> trying to avoid a wreck. And Reddick did really well in Behind him was Dave, I mean, not Dave Blaney. Dave Blaney will run at some point this season in SRX, by the way. Ryan Blaney, the pole sitter, he pretty much had the second strongest car, ultimately. 
but I ended up fourth after a couple pit stop mistakes. And same for Reddick. He had a really slow pit stop that apparently only I noticed. Nobody else on Twitter noticed that Reddick had a bad pit stop. He recovered nicely. But, yeah, those young guys, it keeps the streak going of drivers under 30 winning. But all of them have phenomenal rest. But it's not like your usual Kyle Larson, Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvey, Martin Trace. We haven't seen that yet. Yeah, Larson has a win already. But it's been the, the younger, the young guys that we didn't really see much battle for wins except for Blaney really showing it up to yeah, those. I mean, well, Blaney's, Blaney's relatively young too, though. I mean, he's, yeah. he's, he's, you know, compared to say like, you know, Harvick or Kyle Bush. They got the whole or, bunch of Ross yeah. is the oldest. Yeah. Yeah. Out so top, out of top four, of course, if you consider fifth place, then the guy who finished fifth is Kurt Bush, who got a top five out of nowhere which really proves that Toyota have been abysmal. I think the, for the most, yeah, Vegas, Truex and Kyle Busch had strong runs. But other than that, and excluding Daytona, they haven't really been much in the mix. And, and as you saw, Danny Hamlin is having an abysmal year. Not counting the bad finishes, but he's just been, MIA completely. It's just been a tough year so yeah, far for Toyota. It's, it's funny that we're we're not that many years removed from when it seemingly Toyota was winning everything in sight, and and everybody else was fighting to catch up. And, and yeah, and Chevy and, were and, the bottom and, of the barrel. And Chevrolet, and Chevy are... Chevrolet was abysmal. Yeah, but now now this year both the Fords and the Chevys look a lot better um, than the Toyota. So yeah, I guess maybe they just they just hit it right with the new car. Um, you know, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, these things go in cycles. NASCAR likes to keep uh, parity within the manufacturer, but somebody's always got to be number three. And it's evidently Toyota right now, you know, much, much to the chagrin of, uh, you know, guys like, like, like the Gibbs, the Gibbs guys who we're used to seeing, you know, winning races left and right. And then of course, you know, 23 XI who's looking to kind of really make a name for themselves. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's just interesting to see what bone NASCAR will throw to Toyota, uh, if anything, uh, you know, because yeah. there's there's not a lot, there's not a lot of difference in the cars, you know. Everyone's it's pretty much a, everyone's got a very similar car, you know. So yeah, and the thing about with Briscoe winning is Stewart Racing's first win since Loudon in July with Eric Amarola. As obviously everybody knows, that was the only time Stewart Haas visited victory with Amarola. Not just from Loudon, but also the dual race. And for SHR to get a, a pretty good start to the year with Briscoe winning, that is a much ideal scenario because I know Haas F1, we, we've talked about in depth enough of how they're far behind in the curb. This year, SHR seems like they're getting it together, but the question is can they carry the ball going forward? Briscoe finished what, third in the 500? It got the win. Amarola until this week has been racking up top tens. Harvick has still been the weakest link. And Cole Custer is Cole Custer. Yeah, but, but Harvick Harvick was solidly in the mix at Phoenix. Oh and, yeah. Uh, again, this is this is a track we expect Harvick to win at left yeah, and right, and he has. He just hasn't uh, won since like what 2018, but he's yeah, still been, got been a minute. top tens. Yeah, in he which waited. now he owns sole possession. I know Harvick doesn't care about it, <laughs> and right now or probably ever. He now holds a record for most top consecutive top tens of one track with 18. That's all that's pretty much almost a decade long run for him because the previous record was Richard Petty and Dale Earnhardt with 17, both of them taking place at North Wilkesboro. Right. Yeah. Which is, uh, which is uh, again, a stat, like you said, Harvick probably doesn't care much about because he'd rather be counting wins than top tens. And, oh yeah. You know, and I'm sure he's, I mean, his kids win more races than he is now. Um, <laughs> I think you can say the same thing about Kyle. With Kyle Rexton. Bush too. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the next generation, but uh, yeah, I think Harvick's far from out of it, um, but he is, he is on the, you know, the downside of, of a great career. So uh, it's again, you know, when you see all the, it's, we saw the same thing in IndyCar over the last couple of years is, it's, you know, the wins from the older over 40 guys are, Fewer and far between, and these yeah, young, I mean, look young at guys Dixon. are really making their he name. He only yeah. won one race last year, and that and that was at, at the track we're coming up right now at Texas. Speaking of, speaking of which, that's a good segue uh, to start talking about Texas. But let's let's go ahead and make some picks for Atlanta. Um, and uh, Atlanta's going to be a bit of a crapshoot with the new 
configuration of the track. Um, this is one they they resist. They resisted repaving Atlanta for a decade because they, they kind of liked the nice uh, weathered in service. But now um, we're going to have a pretty slick track. And, and there's uh, a possibility it might rain on Friday. So if they if it's a if it's a wash from the last time I checked, that is going to make things more interesting. Yeah, yeah, because you'll have not only a, a freshly paved track, but a very green track as well. So uh, who do you like for Atlanta? <laughs> if we're basing it, if we're going to treat it as a super speedway race, you got to look at the Fords. And I feel like even with the reconfigured surface, I think it's going to benefit Ryan Blaney. That said, this is a Tyler Reddick maiden win. I'm going with them. Ford are going to dominate, but I think Reddick's going to be the one pulling it off. All right. All right. Richard, what do you what do you think about Atlanta? Larson. Larson, yeah, it's a pretty safe pick. Any track on the schedule? Any dirt track? I just think that any dirt track the, in the country. The, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I just think that that you know, a new track, um, and you know, with the engineering resources that Hendrick have been investing over the last five or so years, you know, the simulation and the modeling's really starting to bear fruit for them. And I just think that, I mean, I would go as far as say any of the Hendrick drivers. Uh, I think they'll be very, very strong purely for that reason. And um, I think Atlanta have pulled a, you know, a pretty smart move here, waiting for the next gen car before they resurfaced. So if the racing is terrible, they can bring the next gen car rather than the track. Well, certainly. Yeah. So, but um, yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with you that uh, the Hendrick's cars are, are probably, uh, the top of the food chain right now. So I like um, uh, eh, either, you know, you know, maybe, maybe Bowman or maybe Chase Elliott. I don't know. Chase Elliott seemed to have been down, but not quite out lately. But uh, yeah, I think Bowman wins and then uh, finds another t-shirt to sell when somebody, <laughs> yeah, somebody says the wrong thing to him. So, but anyway, so let's uh, so let's talk about Texas. Uh, the Indy cars are turning to Texas. They've been trying to do uh, some work, come up with solutions for the oh the traction problems. I guess they uh, they had a I guess it was about two years ago they had the issues with the, the PJ one still on the track. They couldn't get it all off. Uh, they they haven't put that back on the track, but I believe the the track service is still not perfectly suited for indie cars uh like it once was years ago um we had uh several cars tested texas and you know the test times were up there no major issues um but uh, louise what kind of race we think we're going to see in texas are you, are you feeling like it's good it's going to be a, a follow the leader kind of situation like we've seen the last couple of years there i'm hoping that's not the case i've heard they might they have options open or trying to make see to make that top group workable i think there's something that was quoted that by willpower or somebody else saying that if you have the cars run the top line put some tire rub tire grip up in the high group where all the gunk is there it may help or where there might be a session where they may have them run the top, see if it works to lay down some rubber, but there's also option. They may add some chemicals to get rid of it, but I'm not sure what they've ultimately gone with or if they're going to go with it, because this is kind of like a big mystery race for as far as the future of Texas motor speedway for IndyCar, because there's been rumblings. This might be it. If it doesn't produce a good race, Albeit the second race last year, we saw some strategy. We saw some battles like we had like Dixon, Ray Hall, Newgard, and Pato. Whereas race one, it was just Dixon smoking the field. Albeit the margin of victory was much smaller than I remember when McLaughlin finished his second. But still, I'm hoping this day race because we're so I'm still acclimated being a night race to begin with because it's like night race we. We saw one for what it's worth, but I'm hoping with the day race, there's some good racing. But I feel like it's going to be, unfortunately, that unless they do something with the PJ1 where they have guys run to the top or add some chemicals to get rid of it. Or aside from that, I think it's going to be a strategy game if it's a long green run, if it ends up being follow the leader. But this race is going to have to deliver a really strong race because if they don't, then 
this just going to add more fuel to the fire that this might be it for Texas as far as IndyCar concerned. And I, for one, if it be, if it is, if it's this, it's got you got to have certain unique oval races. Sometimes you're not going to have bar burns for what it's worth, but you got to have some good blend of oval racing. And I think Texas is not bad until then. The package of the car cars were terrible that they had to add all the gunk on there. Yeah, I, I mean, Texas has produced some really great races. Uh, and look know, at 2016. So, 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 yeah, I know. To now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So and, and what, what we're getting now is, is you know, it's not really enticing the, a crowd to go. <laughs> you know, it's uh, the, the crowds are getting smaller. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I'd, I'd hate to see it come off the schedule because, number one, IndyCar's schedule is so light on ovals to begin with. You and know. also, you got to consider like the oval kit as well. Aside from Indianapolis, that's the only time you see the Speedway kit. Right, right, yeah, yeah. Because the other ovals we're racing on are Gateway, which is intermediate to small, and of course and Iowa, 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 which is a bull ring. So, yeah, and when you look at the cars, they might as well look like road course kits, but they're oval kits, but in a different way. When it comes to the rear wing, that is to me, that's how I described the right. Yeah, it's, it was a short. Oval. Yeah, it's a, the short oval kit, which is yeah, it's closer to the uh, the road course than than the speedway for sure. But uh, yeah, I, I'm kind of I'm not really optimistic as to what kind of race we're going to see. I hope I hope that we see a, a good race. I hope they can find some some traction and I hope they can run that top line. You know, they they've talked about having a, a session where they put some cones on the track there and have just have the guys just run above the cones just to get rubber into the track. Um, I'd be curious how that's going to work as far as for banking. Cause I, I'm no science major guys when it comes to gravity and the loss of physics, but I mean, <laughs> that'd be a weird sight seeing cones on, on a bank circuit, but we'll see. Yeah, that is a, uh, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. If they put, put a little PJ one on the cones to make them stick. <laughs> oh, that's that'd be the last thing they want to do. It was just oh, for it I to stick. So who do you like for Tech? I mean, it's hard to to go bet against Dixon at Texas. The guys won there, oh, what five times? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, even even when he doesn't win, he's solidly in the mix there. But uh, but again, to your point, you know, Dixon hasn't won a race in Texas last year. Not not that he's been way out to lunch. But uh, there are just guys that have been faster and more consistently at the front. And then you've got, uh, we've got, uh, what, 27 cars in the field? Yeah, 27, because I see St. Pete was 26. You have all those cars there with the addition of Ed Carpenter in 33. Ed, Ed Carpenter in there for sure. Yeah, and then we'll have um, J.R. Hildebrand will be in the Foyt car. Uh, he's, he's doing the ovals um, in the car that is normally driven by Tatiana Calderon. So he's uh, recently signed to the Ovals there. So you have Hildebrand in there and the Foyt car. And uh, yeah, so it's uh, Pata won last year. And, you know, and then the doubleheader, Dixon mm-hmm. and Pata were the winners. I, I, I felt like the McLarens were a little bit out to lunch in the first race, but you can't compare St. Pete to a Texas. It's really hard to pick a winner here. You know what I mean? Yeah, especially so, with the especially with the, the gaps between races as well. It's really hard to tell who yeah. will stand out really. But I mean, you always, you can always lately, you know, or since 2018 and, and after you can always count on willpower to be really strong on an oval. You know, you can always count on a uh, Elio for sure to be strong on an oval. Um, yeah. And if Elio were to win out, equal Dix that will equal him with Dixon with five wins at Texas as well. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm not, I don't know if the Meyer shank cars are up to the task yet, just based on uh last week and preseason testing. So yeah, it's really, it's, uh, again, like I say, it's tough to, to, to pick against Dixon. So I'm going to go with Dixon and, and not talk myself out of it. I'm going <laughs> to go. I'm going to go with new garden for this one. Another okay. solid pick, solid pick new garden. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, he was in the mix last year in the second race. That's kind of where I'm judging this Sunday more on the Sunday portion rather than the Saturday because it's the 248 lapper. I think Saturday, the, the other one was a little bit longer by a few laps or so. I if I remember, it was a weird one as far as the number of laps because it's just a few more laps on Saturday than Sunday or whatever. I might have mixed them up. any, But either way, 
the best way to judge it is on the Sunday race from a year ago where it was the daylight. Very early, I think the race is going to start uh, in the more, before noon, I think. Was it like? I think the uh, what a TV coverage, I think, comes on at 1230 Eastern. So that, that makes it yeah. 1130 in Texas. Yeah, 1145 or so, I think, is the green flag time. So, yeah, but if things go smoothly, it'll be done before two or at around two o'clock. So it's a it just depends how this race will go. Yeah, squeeze it in before all the basketball games, you know. Yeah, because I think that's <laughs> I want to believe it's one of the more earlier t- race starts of the year, if not probably the earliest behind in behind Indy. Or before Indy, well, because I think even Indy starts at noon, right? Yeah, some I think if I remember, yeah. Because okay. I think because all the other ones are either like uh, noon, one o'clock, or all that, depending on the time zone. Yeah, that's are, the, that, that's the interesting thing with the new the new TV contract is because we're on NBC and not on NBC sports or on something else. There's a lot of earlier start times because usually uh, NBC you come about three o'clock on Sunday. They, they pick up the PGA uh, switches from the golf channel over to NBC. So uh, yeah, we've got all these, all these er- earlier. Page. Yeah. We've got all these earlier start times, um, which kind of almost all of you think about it kind of messes with the data the guys have from years past because the, the temperatures are going to be quite different. So, um, yeah, they pick up as the race goes on rather than going down, except for the night, except for Iowa and, and gateway. Really? When you think about it. Yeah. So, well, I guess what we need to do is let, um, Richard pick somebody. Well, you know, still here guys. Uh, I'm going to go for Rossi. Why not? Why not? Uh, let me see, because he hasn't won anything since 2018. Yeah, it was since 2019 in Road America. Okay. Hey, now's hey, a good a time as any. Now's a good a time as any. Yeah, so, so okay. Now, speaking of which, again, so what, this is going to be um, Jimmy Johnson's first uh, oval race. He actually yep. test, tested quite well at Texas last year. Um, and, of course, a lot of, the, you know, I, I think Jimmy has a lot to prove right here. Um, because people yeah. have already kind of made, made their minds up that he's terrible on road courses, although he's, he's improving, you know, to his point, he's, he's, uh, you know, he's still spins a lot, but uh, he's improving. But yeah. I think, I think he's got, a, he's got, got a lot to prove here. Uh, and he's got a lot of riding on this just not, not personally, right. Because he's, he, he's fine. Um, and confident within himself that he's learning and whatnot. I, but I think from a, from, you know, for fans and to just write him off entirely, uh, I think he's got to, he's got to have a good showing here at the Texas Oval. I, yeah, I considering this is the track he's won number of times. I think he has the most wins ever from any driver in any discipline with seven. So this is a track that he's done well, but. The track has changed as well, but between those seven wins that Johnson got till now, and, that's the thing. and we're talking about an open wheeler, and sometimes the drivers may be just really good on ovals and not so well on road courses. I mean, look at Ari Leindyke. He was more of an open, to, to many people, more or less an oval guy than a road course. So who knows if we're going to see that from John, from Jimmy? Yeah, no, this is, this, is, this is the great unknown. You know, the great unknown is Jimmy going to, you know, because he's realistically has more laps on an oval under his belt than probably the rest of the field combined. And that's just truth. All those years in NASCAR and all those oval races and and all those, you know, 500 mile races and, and longer races. He's got more laps on an oval than the rest of the field combined. Um, and he we, might have. He may. He, he, he. I think the only IndyCar driver that could semi rival Jimmy is Elio due to the fact that when he was running. There was plenty of ovals and card, and when you jumped the IndyCar, it was still an all oval series. At then, this is true, yeah. But again, we're talking racing, yeah, 15, 16 times a year compared to thirty-two. You know, yeah, for sure. So yeah, so um, yeah. I mean, Elio's certainly got a lot of oval laps. That's just Canon. Tony Canon does. Canon uh, uh, won't be at Texas, from from what I gather. He's uh, he's Indy only this year, thanks to Jimmy wanting to do the ovals. So I'm sure Tony's saying thanks, Jimmy. Yeah, and, uh, and the curious thing is how those 
junior formula graduates will do as well, like Lundgaard and who who am I missing? I oh, Cal Lundgaard. Yeah, yeah, Lundgaard is the. I'm curious to see how he'll do. Same with Kyle Kirkwood because his career is interesting, and in, when it comes to rooting in the ovals, because obviously any lights have no oval races, but when he was running the other divisions you had gateway and i think iowa as well so he has some but not super speedway because he didn't get the lecture to run on a super speedway in indy lights because they don't want to have the freedom 100 no more right yeah this is true yeah like i said kirkwood does as well as uh david malukas you know mm-hmm. um again you know this is you know, his his first big oval you know it's certainly first big oval at these kind of speeds as well. So, uh, yeah, so be yeah, you got, out. got, a, got a lot of young guys out there. Got a lot. Then of course you've got Grosjean, his first, his first big oval race. Um, so that'll be interesting to watch. I think it's going to be a lot of fun and it'll be, cool. again, it'll be over early. We can hit the golf course after the race. I don't know. I'll be probably writing content. And, well, yeah, you'll, you'll be at the race. Yeah. Yes, and half paying attention to the Atlanta race where I'm hoping it goes red flag free, but I doubt it. I doubt it. Get it so. done. Get, it, Get done. it done. Well, speaking <laughs> of getting it done, we're done. Our time is up. So, again, yep. I, I want to thank uh, Dan Blay Racing Art. I want to thank FirstSuperSpeedway.com. I want to thank the Hoobazoo Radio Network iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Google Podcasts. And I want to thank you, Richard. And I want to thank you, Louise. And I want to thank you folks who listen to us week in and week out. Um, so uh, we'll be back next week to tell you who wins all this, uh, all these races. Big, big weekend of racing. I'm excited about it. And we'll talk more about it next week. Till then, good night. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.